Welcome back to the Healthy Moms Podcast with Katie from wellnessmama.com. In this episode, Katie and pharmacist Mary Lee Snodgrass discuss in depth how hormones impact every aspect of health and how many common medical treatments used to remedy hormone problems, including birth control pills, can actually make the problem worse. They'll cover how to get answers from your doctor when it comes to hormone problems, the roles of progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone in hormone health, preconception hormone health, and so much more. To help you discover your own health answers, Mary Lee has offered her PDFs showing the cascade of pharmaceuticals that can occur from taking just one medication. To get this and all other bonuses from past episodes, email podcast at wellnessmama.com with bonus in the subject line. Let's join them to learn more about hormone health. Mary Lee, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited we're talking again. In the last episode, we talked in pretty general terms about the issues that you've seen firsthand in working as a pharmacist in the medical industry, but also in patients and all of the root causes that we're seeing for people in their health. And one of the ones that you mentioned were that we have issues with hormones and that how pharmaceuticals can affect hormones and deplete hormones and how nutrient deficiencies also play into that. And in this episode, I would love to really delve deeper into the hormone topic because I think a lot of people listening are struggling with a hormone imbalance of some kind and maybe trying to figure out what that is or how to find out what that is. Um, and to really understand it for themselves. So it's a, it's a hot topic right now, hormone health. I feel like we're really starting to understand it more, but also the endocrine system is very complex and it can be a confusing topic. And it's also one that it seems like there's not really a single pill fix because everything, like you said, is so interconnected and changing one affects others. So can you give us kind of a general primer of how the body's hormone system functions and how our hormones work together? Yes. Um, and Katie, it is not a one pill fix. It's so complicated. We have volumes of books written on this topic. And really, to be honest, what I feel like is the more I know, the more I don't know. So just to kind of sum it up, imagine a triangle. You have to have a balance of these systems. And in that triangle, we've got to balance our adrenal glands with the thyroid gland and our ovaries. And if one of those is out of whack, the other two are out of whack. And things that get it out of whack would be all the root causes that I spoke about earlier. So it's really important to maintain that balance. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And how, like you said, if they're all in a triangle together, if you shorten one, you're making the others longer and you're you're pulling them all out of balance. And I feel like it's kind of a lot of people know that they have a hormone imbalance, but it's not like chronic pain or arthritis where you know what the cause is and you feel it where it is. And so it's a lot harder to try to figure out where it's coming from and maybe what's out of balance. Um, and I, I think a lot of doctors are starting to really learn more about this, thankfully. But is there, how can maybe someone who suspects that she has a hormone problem but doesn't really know where it's coming from, what would be a way that she could figure out? Um, if it is a hormone imbalance and where it's coming from so that she could start trying to address that. Well, first of all, you, you look at symptoms, but if you don't, if you're not working with a practitioner that would even consider hormone imbalance a problem, then you would be prescribed a lot of medications unnecessarily. And some of these symptoms might include depression, uh, PMS, insomnia, headaches, low libido, anxiety, bladder issues. Um, also, the not so obvious 
increased blood pressure, increased cholesterol. Some people have joint pains. So if you if you didn't know any difference, you would be prescribed medications for these symptoms. So there are actually three ways to test hormones, um, three reliable ways. The first one is serum. You would go to your uh, practitioner's office and get blood drawn. Another way is an at-home saliva test. And another way is an at-home urine test. And all these would be, I think, a good base to see where you are. And from that, you would kind of connect your, your results from your labs with your symptoms and realize it was a, it's probably going to be a hormonal imbalance. Yeah, that makes sense. And I... Um, in the past, when I was trying to figure out answers for my thyroid, and also even as far back as high school when I had acne, um, I would go to the doctor, and they would always they would kind of touch on like, oh, it's a hormone thing, so you need to take the pill. And thankfully, I never ended up taking it. I'm very grateful now. Um, but I feel like that is the common answer. If like, oh, it's a hormone thing, you need to be on the pill, or oh, it's acne, you need to be on the pill, or oh, whatever it is, you need to be on the pill. Um, and so many women are on it for those reasons or for all these different compilation of reasons. Um, does a birth control pill offer actual solutions for that or does that further mess up the triangle? Totally messes up the triangle. <laughs> Let me emphasize that. So the birth control pill, um, along with synthetic hormones, um, they just mask symptoms. And um, this is one of my passions is educating people about the birth control pill and synthetic hormones. They are like putting a square peg in a round hole. The body doesn't recognize it. But the biggest thing about birth control pills is they cause so many nutrient depletions. And we are put on the birth control pills at such an early age. And as early as I've seen women, really, excuse me, young girls, 13 years old on the birth control pill. And all it's doing is masking a symptom, whether they had acne or heavy periods or just irregular moodiness, they will be put on the birth control pill. But let me tell you some of the nutrients that this birth control pill or synthetic hormones can cause. First of all, B vitamins. B vitamins are essential for good health. They make serotonin. That's our happy chemical. Um, B vitamins, if you're low in B vitamins, you can have fatigue, depression, insomnia, anxiety, issues with hair, skin, and nails, and even issues with your nerves because we need B vitamins to keep our nerves healthy. Another big nutrient that these birth control pills deplete is magnesium. So a magnesium is huge in the body. It's used in over 300 functions. It's essential. Um, if you're low in magnesium, these symptoms you might experience. Headaches, migraines, constipation, insomnia, increased blood pressure. You can have heart palpitations, fatigue, even bone loss, osteoporosis. And be, believe me, most people are low in magnesium to begin with, never mind adding a birth control pill, which is going to lower it even further. So there's lots of potential prescription, lots of potential prescriptions to be prescribed due to the birth control pill if these depletions are not addressed. Um, another big factor with the birth control pill, it depletes many trace minerals that support the thyroid. So now we've got somebody that's going to have thyroid issues probably because of the birth control pill. This is what I see over and over and over again, Katie. You'll see a young girl put on the birth control pill, say, age 15, 16 years old, for whatever reason that's going to mask that symptom. Um, the pill starts depleting magnesium and B vitamins. 
It usually takes about a year or even shorter with some patients. But what will happen, these patients will get depressed. They'll go off to college. They'll come back. They're depressed. Not enough B vitamins. So some doctor will put them on an antidepressant. Then, because of low magnesium, they might develop constipation. So now we, we can't poop. Um, they also, because of low magnesium, start developing headaches and migraines. So now they're on a medication to treat the migraines and even to prevent the migraines. So that's three more medications that we've just added. Also, I see these girls, as they get a little bit older, they have a sluggish thyroid because of the birth control pill, but that's not addressed. So what has happened now, they've got to be treated for uh, underactive thyroid. Now, because they're not making enough B vitamins to make the serotonin, they're depressed, as I said, you've got to have serotonin to make melatonin. Now, these young girls, they're probably in late 20s, can't sleep. What happens? They're put on Ambien or sleeping medication of some sort. So, we've got the antidepressant, we've got headache medicine, we can't poop, we're um, depressed, we have low thyroid, we can't sleep. Now, the antidepressant that they've been on for many years stops working. So, a doctor will add another one or even worse, even worse, they'll add an antipsychotic. So, you see, this is a cascade of doom. And so, I, I really emphasize this with my patients that will listen to me. If you're going to be in a birth control pill, understand what this is doing. And something that will help, at least, first of all, you've got to really watch your diet. But you've got to have a good multivitamin. I would add a good probiotic. And I would add extra magnesium to address these symptoms due to the nutrient depletions from the birth control pill. And I'm sure you can educate your listeners about other ways to space pregnancies or whatever it may be, yeah, as an alternative. Because that's what I always find funny. That obviously is the reason that we have them in the first place, or that's what's said. But it seems like the majority of the time, people aren't even actually put on hormonal contraceptives for contraceptive purposes. They're often, they start off for all these other different health problems that, and because there's this myth, it seems like that birth control pills, quote unquote, balance hormones because they make your cycle regular and they make your period light and they do all these things. They might help with acne, but like you've been talking about, they don't really address the root cause. So for us, I, like I know I use something called the AvaQ, which is, um, I'll make sure there's a link to it in the show notes, but it basically is uh, something that can plug into your phone and be used as an app or it's its own standalone system that has a very scientific basis and it measures hormone levels throughout the month and tracks based on um, vaginal pH, saliva pH, and body temperature and some other factors a woman's cycle and lets her know when she's fertile and when she's not so that that's an, an alternative that's not hormone-based. Um, that's also been really fascinating because I've learned so much about my body by actually seeing my hormones graphed out every month. And um, actually through using that, I found out that I double ovulated every month, which I didn't know, but it makes sense. Um, but I think I think you're so right. I think people buy into this idea that the birth control pill is going to help them balance hormones. And balancing hormones is an important thing. Like you just said, it contributes to everything for health. Um, but it's like, I feel like going back to the last episode, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're so for lighter periods and a regular period, you're trading off depression and trouble sleeping and all these other problems. Um, so do you feel like there are other ways to balance hormones besides the birth control pill that are more effective? Or what do you usually recommend to maybe a woman who has acne or has like hormone issues that she's trying to address. Well, and that's something I have just been shocked by. These young girls um, think periods are bad, that they don't like them. And I've even had an OBGYN tell, OBGYN tell me, well, my girls don't want to bleed. 
And I'm like, well, that's a normal thing. But what, the reason why they don't like it, because they have heady, heavy, clotty, long, crampy periods. Well, that's a hormone imbalance there. Um, so what you need to do is ask, well, why do we have this? Well, that goes back to lifestyle. These girls are probably eating a lot of processed food with a lot of grains, a lot of sugar, um, fast foods. All that affects our hormones. How stressed are they? That affects our hormones. Um, so we go back to the basics once again. Once again, Katie, the food comes in. Remember, the food we eat today is not the food we ate. And this has all happened so quickly over the past 20, 25, even 30 years. This has come across that fast. Yeah, I find it amazing. And looking back, even I can only speak to my own experience, but um, in high school and college, I had acne and I had horribly, horribly painful periods. And I would usually end up taking ibuprofen or something. They got so bad every month. And now with all the lifestyle changes and dietary changes we've made, I don't have cramps at all. It's it's a completely uh, been a 180 for me. Um, and I haven't used contraceptives to address it at all. It's just been purely lifestyle change. But it makes so much sense that if you're artificially manipulating this hormone cascade that's supposed to happen every month, or much less if you're stopping it altogether, that you're going to mess up the body's natural cascade of sex hormones. Because like you said, there's so many, they're all interconnected with the thyroid, the adrenals, and the ovaries. And even within those, you've got all these progesterone and estrogen and testosterone and luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. And when you're artificially controlling that, you're messing those up. Um, And I feel like a lot of people don't really understand how much that can make a difference. So let's talk about progesterone because that's a big important hormone for women, especially women of childbearing age. And I get a lot of um, commenters on the blog from women who have been through this exact thing that you just talked about. They were put on contraceptives as a teenager. They went through the whole cascade. They had the depression. They have the headaches. Now they're on all these medications for these. And then they want to come off the contraceptives because they want to get pregnant. But now they've got all these other underlying issues that they've got to address and they're having trouble getting pregnant. Um, and one of the things involved there is progesterone, which is tied into the fertility process. Um, but what exactly is progesterone and how might someone know if they have too little or too much? And what are some ways besides contraceptives that someone could address that problem? So I love progesterone. It is my favorite hormone. If you have to claim one, um, I love it because it is our calming hormone. It's a natural diuretic. It's a natural antidepressant. Uh, estrogen, we call her queen bee. She, she runs the body. But progesterone comes in and calms estrogen down because if we don't calm estrogen down, we get into estrogen dominance, which creates all sorts of problems. Um, progesterone is very protective of the breast and uterus. Uh, it is not the same as Provera. That is the prescription progestin. Progestins are not the same as natural progesterone. A lot of people get this confused because you'll get negative um, feedback when you talk about progesterone. If a doctor doesn't separate it out, he assumes it's progestin or Provera. And so just for your listeners to know, it is not the same. Progesterone is naturally produced in our body. So that's what I'm speaking about. Um, If you have low progesterone... Katie, it can actually start declining in your mid to late 30s. Uh, Low progesterone will cause um, many symptoms, headaches, anxiety, infertility, acne, cramping. Some women gain weight about that time. We can lose our libido. We have mood swings and depression. PMS, that's a huge one, low progesterone. 
uh, fuzzy thinking, even joint pain. So it's a big issue. And the body, uh, when the stress plays a big part here, because the body will make cortisol, which is our stress hormone, at the expense of progesterone. So that's one of the reasons we're seeing early and early declines in hormones because of stress. That makes so much sense. And so based on that, then taking like a contraceptive would not actually help increase the body's progesterone levels because that would be a synthetic version. Is that in my understanding? That is correct. It is a synthetic version of estrogen and progesterone. Okay. And from the reading I've done, it seems like um, you see a lot of estrogen dominance and that is seems to be becoming more and more of a problem or at least i'm seeing more and more research on it and that's obviously another hormone you said estrogen's the queen bee um can you talk about estrogen and how it works in the body and also how it comes into play with progesterone because it does seem like um from the reading i've done and the books i've read it's people tend to be low on progesterone and high on estrogen a lot of the time um have you found that as well and and what are some ways that someone could address that if they perhaps do have estrogen dominance So, um, as I said earlier, and you said estrogen is queen bee, we have estrogen receptors all over the body. Um, It's actually used for over 400 functions in the body. First of all, brain health, memory, concentration. This is huge. Women get foggy as they get older. Um, Heart health. Estrogen is very protective of the heart. And we know estrogen regulates body temperature. That's how we can get our hot flashes and night sweats. Estrogen is essential for good sleep. We know it hydrates the skin and keeps us juicy. Um, Estrogen, you may not know this, helps to regulate blood pressure and cholesterol. So we see a lot of women as they age, their blood pressure and cholesterol goes up. What happens? They're put on a medication and their hormone deficiency is not being addressed. Uh, Estrogen also is important for mood, libido, and of course, bone health. So yes, we see a lot of estrogen dominance in Um, you're seeing it younger and younger and younger. And it, to me, in my opinion, all goes back to the lifestyle, the food, the stress. What are we doing to our bodies? Because this is a new thing. We did not used to see so much estrogen dominance. So just signs of estrogen dominance, you're going to have fluid retention, whether it's in your fingers, your rings can't get off, or your ankles. Uh, Breast tenderness is a huge uh, symptom of estrogen dominance. Uh, nervous, anxiety, and irritability. That, that, that describes a lot of women I know. Estrogen dominance, of course, cause heavy, crampy periods, weight gain, mood swings, and it can actually throw you into an underactive thyroid. So we can treat estrogen dominance uh, or the imbalance, first of all, looking at lifestyle. What are you eating? What are you drinking? Are you sleeping? How stressed are you? We treat that. And then if, if you're perimenopause or menopause, and if you're a good candidate for it, then we can use bioidentical hormone therapy to replace what is um, low or deficient or balance that which is out of balance. That makes sense. And so back to the idea of kind of the triangle, it does getting, like if progesterone's low, will getting progesterone in the right level also help bring estrogen down to where it's supposed to be? Like can changing one affect the other? I know that um, I've seen a lot of writing about people who use progesterone creams, natural progesterone creams, not the synthetics, but natural ones. Is that something that you've seen with patients as well? Yes. uh, Yes. And you can. 
help balance it out that way. Estrogen, not to get too technical, but estrogen basically has two receptors, an alpha receptor and a beta receptor. The alpha receptor causes growth stimulation, and that's good to a point you don't want that to be overstimulated. The beta receptors calm down the growth. So progesterone comes in, turns on the beta receptors, and calms everything down. So it's estrogen's kept in balance. That makes sense. So if someone doesn't have enough progesterone, they're getting too much of that alpha side and not enough, kind of how everything in the body, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, Exactly. that makes a lot of sense. Um, I feel like the other hormone that women often ignore, and from what I'm seeing is actually very important, and we kind of ignore it at our own expense, is testosterone. And a lot of women assume that that's just something that you know, men have testosterone, but really women do too in smaller levels, of course, but it's very important from at least what I've seen in the research for keeping those other hormones in balance. So can you talk about the way that testosterone functions in a woman's body um, and how it's different than in men, but also how that comes into play with the estrogen and the progesterone? And um, and is do we support that in the same way with, with lifestyle mainly? Yes, I can talk about. So yes, women need testosterone and guess what? Men need estrogen too. So it's just a different percentages. So testosterone, as you know, we all think it's just for libido, but it's not. Testosterone gives us a sense of well-being. We feel good. Um, it helps to increase muscle mass and strength, decreases body fat. We need that along with the progesterone and estrogen to keep our bones strong and a lot of people don't know this, but we need testosterone for bladder health. There are testosterone receptors as well as estrogen receptors on the bladder, so we need it for that. So testosterone is great. Um, it can get out of balance, too. Uh, we go into the PCOS and all that, and all that goes back to the lifestyle. What are we sleeping? What are, we, are we eating? Are we active? What are we drinking? How's our stress? So you, you, if testosterone is too high, it's going to throw the other ones out of balance, too. That makes sense. And it also makes sense if, um, I know I've often heard that estrogen, too much estrogen can lead to weight gain and testosterone helps to bring that down, which makes sense because every 16 year old boy I know tends to not struggle with weight and they have plenty of muscle, plenty of energy and they sleep a lot. So it makes perfect sense that they're all tied in like that. Um, you've mentioned a couple times that synthetic hormones are not the same as the naturally occurring ones in our body, which makes perfect sense. But can you explain a little bit more natural versus synthetic hormones? And when someone does have a true imbalance, is there a natural form that they can turn to, to help that? Or is lifestyle really the best option? Okay. So there's a huge difference between synthetic and natural hormones. And like I said, a lot of people just clump that all in together. A synthetic hormone, as I said earlier, is like putting a square peg in a round hoe. Examples of synthetic hormones, birth control pills, Primrin, um, Actifella. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about Primrin. Have you ever heard what Primrin is made out of? I've heard, but I'd love to have you explain it because I don't know that I can being this pregnant and nauseous. <laughs> so Primrin is, listen to what I said, Primarin, pregnant mare's urine. That estrogen is not our body's estrogen. And somehow, this is shocking, the pharmaceutical industry convinced medical doctors that it was better for a female's body to use pregnant male's pregnant mare's urine instead of their own estrogen. So think about that. Probably the same group convinced women that a formula was better than breastfeeding years ago. So that's what we're putting in our bodies, and we don't want to do that. So with bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, we are mimicking nature. We're using hormones that your body 
would recognize because it is your body's hormone. So that's the biggest difference. We give small physiologic doses, not big pharmacologic doses. There is not one size fits all. Everybody is individualized with their dosing. That makes sense. So for some women, it may be as simple as reducing stress and getting enough sleep and optimizing magnesium and B vitamin levels. Um, But some women can benefit then probably more in a short-term way from like a small amount of natural hormone to just help their own body start to create that again. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And as especially the perimenopausal and menopausal years, I mean, we're living longer than we ever have. And hormones are preventive health. When I do hormone consultations with somebody, I always tell them, I'm not trying to make you feel 25. I want you to feel good where you are, get your symptoms minimized, and support heart, brain, bone health. That's, that's, that's for moving forward with your health. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I think the um, Premarin industry is definitely a controversial one. I know there's been some recent um, kind of controversy surrounding them because they truly are to put that in perspective for women harvesting the urine of horses and that's what you're putting in your body and if if you can imagine it's not a very pleasant experience for the horses either and so a lot of people are up in arms about that but um yeah that makes sense that the natural is always preferable when whenever possible and one of those other pillars of that original triangle that you talked about was thyroid and i know that this is a very hot topic for a lot of women it was uh definitely an issue for me and one that took me years to get addressed um, let's talk about thyroid problems for a minute, specifically how thyroid problems can contribute to other hormone imbalances in the body and how a woman might notice if she thinks she could be having a thyroid problem and when it would be a good time to go talk to a doctor. Cause that is one that seems like is harder to remedy with just lifestyle. Like there are women who do tend to actually need a thyroid, um, prescription, but how would a woman know that? And how is that going to affect the rest of her hormones? So thyroid's huge, and you may not know this, but in 2014, that was the number one drug prescribed, levothyroxine. Wow. And I'm sure it was probably pretty close from 2015. We just haven't heard yet. So that is a big change I've seen in pharmacy. We didn't, it was rare we dispensed a prescription for underactive thyroid or even overactive thyroid. So once again, you step back and ask, well, why is this? This is new. We're not, the testing has not changed. Um, something has changed. And so there again, lifestyle, stress, food, other medications, hormonal imbalances, whether it's from your um, adrenal glands or too much estrogen that can throw your thyroid out of whack. So there are so many symptoms of low thyroid. Some of the obvious ones are cold extremities, a dry skin, low libido, scalp hair loss, or uh, many people start losing the outer third of the eyebrow, weight gain, anxiety, um, headaches, that's a big one, Uh, high cholesterol, guess what, infertility, another one. So there are a lot of symptoms. The problem with thyroid is the testing. Most doctors are only testing like a TSH and a T4. That is not enough because if you fall within the normal of that, they're going to say, well, it's not thyroid. Let me give you an antidepressant instead. Let me give you something to treat your headaches instead. So you'll get a lot of unnecessary prescription once again. So you have to expand the testing, look at it broader, and listen to the patient's symptoms. And if they're within the normal range but they're low normal, you need to be thinking about I need some thyroid medicine. Now, a lot of times with thyroid, I do with my patients, I address, well, why? wonder why your thyroid's off. Um, a lot of times it's because of stress. 
if your adrenals are way overactive, your, your thyroid's going to slow down. It's a protective mechanism. If you're in estrogen dominance, that's going to throw your thyroid off. So you don't want to necessarily just throw somebody on thyroid medicine. You want to treat the estrogen dominance first. Once again, we all get back to treating the root causes, asking why, and treat the why. That is so logical. And you mentioned earlier with birth control pills and hormones, how that can affect thyroid. And um, it seems like that's also a very common prescription is birth control pills. So it makes sense in the last few decades, that's become so much more common that we'd be seeing these thyroid problems as well. And especially with sleep and um, all these other factors that we're contributing to. Um, So how might a woman, so you're saying the testing ranges should be expanded a little bit. I've read that also Mm -hmm. and how... um, it makes sense that basically the the current ranges we have are based on averages, but typically people who go in to get tested are people who suspect they have a thyroid problem. So the averages are almost based on the problem, sort of. Um, and I love that that's the approach that you take is getting women to work with their doctors mm-hmm. to um, to address that, even if it's not necessarily medication at the beginning, but addressing all of those other symptoms and factors to try to get it in range without just going on an antidepressant, which sounds like it might also affect the thyroid eventually. Or It will. Yes, it will. So it can pull everything out of balance. Um, another topic that I think really related to hormones that really affects a lot of people listening and that you and I have talked about a little bit is um, preconception health and preconception hormone balancing. And so, I, like I mentioned, I have a lot of even friends locally and friends that I've talked to that do the whole hormone cascade. They get on the pill in high school, then they're on all the other medications related to the symptoms of that. And then at some point in their 20s or like early 30s, they decide they want to have kids. So they just stop with the birth control. They're still on all these other medications. They probably still have underlying hormone imbalance. And then they have trouble getting pregnant and they may not necessarily be nourished because if these medications are depleting their nutrients. So let's talk about how preconception health works and maybe some of the factors that women can optimize to make sure their bodies are really ready for a pregnancy. Oh, Katie, I love that you asked this because I, I love preconception health. Um, being in the pharmacy, I've seen so many changes with newborns and children. This, this has been really sad. Uh, and you wonder, why are these changes happening to these children? They have reflux. They have asthma. They have eczema or psoriasis. They have behavioral disorders. They have bowel disorders. Children, babies. So you've got to ask, well, why is this? So... Um, I feel like it starts with preconception health because the health of you today, your body today, will affect your baby's health in the future. And I work with a lot of girls at work, and I'm always saying to them, the younger ones, prepare your womb, <laughs> prepare your womb. And so these are just some 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 recommendations I suggest to them. You know, I'll try to get them off the pill. Number one, get your body regulate so you know what your hormones are doing that's huge right there watch your food we've got to stop the processed food that's that affects everything in your body eat good fats good fats real butter we love butter uh coconut oil is fabulous as you know and olive oil get rid of all the other fats they're inflammatory um we have got to change our meats we cannot keep going to the grocery store and get these meats with antibiotics and hormones in it that affects your health and your baby's health down the road. Eat clean meat. Um, lots of vegetables. And I'm not talking canned. I'm talking real vegetables, people. That's how we used to eat in the past. That's what we're supposed to eat. That We have to eat that today. If you're going to do dairy, try to get raw dairy. I know it's hard to find. Uh, fermented foods are essential to gut health. 
healthy gut, healthy body. You've heard me say that before. This is what's going to, this is going to determine your baby's gut health is your gut health. And let's drop the artificial sugars. Stop these diet cokes. Stop these diet foods. That affects your thyroid, your gut, and even your brain. So that, those are your foods. Um, we want to get your gut healthy. As I said, your foods affect your gut. Uh, we have got to get on a good probiotic. Remember, as I said earlier, we have trillions of bacteria in our gut. It is the mother of our body. It is how we stay healthy. And we need a good probiotic every single day. We want to repopulate that gut with good bacteria. Because if you think about your history, if you've had an antibiotic, it is like a shotgun going off in your gut. Not only is it killing the bad bacteria, but it's killing the good bacteria. And if you don't repopulate your gut, you're going to get out of whack. And gut health is essential for your child's health. Um, you told me about the movie Microbirth. I found that amazing. And it, it was so simple as to why we're having issues with our babies today, these days. It is through the natural birthing process, the vaginal birth, that the baby starts to populate his gut with good bacteria. That's the first step. The second step is skin to skin. We're all clothed in gowns and don't want the baby to touch anybody. But we need skin to skin contact with that baby because you're transferring good baby, good bacteria to that baby's gut. And then breastfeeding essential for your child's gut health. So just that birthing process alone is going to help populate your child's gut with good bacteria so he won't have these issues of asthma and skin issues and eczema and behavioral and, and gut issues. So um, managing your stress, another way to prepare the womb. We have got to calm down. We cannot get so worked up and stay on all the time. It goes back to being still, sitting quietly, gathering yourself. Um, I read this somewhere, and I say this every day to myself and to my consultations. Stillness is the language that God speaks, so you have to be still. Um, watch your thyroid. Make sure your thyroid's optimal before you work on conceiving. Uh, and avoid antibiotics. Avoid the birth control pill. Avoid pain medicines, such as the opioid-based prescriptions. So lots of things that we can do to prepare the womb. None of that was really hard. Our ancestors did it, no problem. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that alone will make such a drastic difference because it makes sense, even going back to what you said before, we can't give what we don't have. And so if we don't nourish our own bodies, we can't give that to our babies. Um, and that process can take a little bit longer than just the one month it takes to get pregnant. So I think that's such an important reminder to so many of us to nourish our bodies before, during, and after pregnancy, especially. Um, is there anything else related to hormone health that you want to make sure that women understand or know? Um, or do you feel like that those are going to be the big things like the lifestyle factors that we just talked about and um, diet and sleep and stress being the big ones? Yes, I do. I don't want people to think you just slap on hormones to get healthy. You need to be healthy first. And then if you have an imbalance or uh, deficient in one or more hormones, then you can use the bioidentical hormone therapy. But your whole answer is your lifestyle. Uh, you've got to start addressing that. You know, that's how you take back control of your health is by addressing your lifestyle and your food and your stress and your sleep. And you should be a healthy female moving into the future. 
perfect. And again, that's what I love about your approach is you're not saying there's never a time and a place for medicine, but you're saying it needs to go hand in hand with lifestyle and that it shouldn't be a long-term solution, but one just to help the body get back to homeostasis, which I love. Um, and I appreciate your time again and being here. And I can't wait till our next episode when we're going to tackle another kind of triangle of the heart health, blood pressure, cholesterol, all that, um, and how that's all intertwined. Cause I know that's also a big topic for that. So look for that in the next episode and thanks Mary Lee for being here. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the healthy moms podcast. To get the bonus from this episode, as well as a content library of free health resources, join the community at wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast.